Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, everybody. Luke O'Neill here, and you're very welcome to my Show Me the Science podcast. Now, you've, you've probably gathered by now, those of you who listen regularly, and I know there's people out there who keep tuning in because they're very nice and they send me nice comments. Uh, I often talk about different things. We've done so many podcasts now, me and Owen. This is number 158,673 or something like that. It feels like that to Owen as he sits here opposite me. Um, but we obviously go back over certain topics because it's hard to be totally original. And we've done lots of stuff on animals in, in several ones. Dogs, you may remember that one. I hope that was one that we really enjoyed. This is another animal one. Uh, but I love it. I love it because it's all about how clever animals are. And uh, you might call this the science of the mind of animals. How about that for a title? And, and for a long time, all through history, philosophers have wondered if animals are like us. In other words, do they have minds? Or are they just little machines in a way that respond instinctively and what have you, you know? And how, how we define the mind, by a way, is being aware of the world around you, being able to think and being able to feel. That, that's what defines the mind. And it's always been different to the brain, kind of. The brain is the lump of thing in your skull where the mind is. Uh, we don't really know what the mind is, if the truth be told. It's something to do with the wiring of the brain and when you have feelings and emotions and you can use your intelligence and all that kind of stuff. That's tied up in the mind. And the big question is, do animals have minds? And, of course, they do. And, and over the last few decades, it's clear now, animals are very, very smart. Now, whether they're as smart as we are, that's one debate. They, if they can solve problems like us, some of them can. Some can use tools in very clever ways. It's hard to pin down, you know, what the mind is in this regard. Um, are they self-aware? That's a big one. That's to do with the mind as well. So are animals aware of themselves? Again, there's maybe less evidence for that, but how do you measure it? You can't talk to an animal and go, are you aware of yourself, can you? You know, so it's a bit tricky to pin that one down. But the last sort of, I suppose, four or five years from what, from the book I've just come across, which I've, I've taken this topic from, um, lots of research into how clever and how smart animals are. And all of it points to they must have minds just like us. And that's really important for how we treat Treat them. Obviously, you know, and animal rights is a very important topic. And as the evidence grows and grows that these are sentient beings, as they're called, with, with inner lives just like us, then we have to treat them with respect, don't we? And that can have all kinds of consequences about how we handle them in various ways. But I'm going to give you a few killer examples of how clever and beautiful and wonderful animals are. And the first one is a bit unusual. It's about pigs being optimistic. I'll say that again, an optimistic pig. How the hell do you know an optimistic pig? Now, if pigs can show optimism or pessimism, that's a very mind-based thing, isn't it? Because the pig is able to look forward to something in a positive way or maybe in a negative way. And science has proven that some pigs are optimistic. Now, how do they show that? Well, this is the experiment. Uh, they would ring a note on a glockenspiel of all things strange. A musical note was rung out. And when that glockenspiel note went out, a little hatch would open and an apple would fall out of the hatch and the pig would move towards the hatch in anticipation of the apple falling out. If they made another noise, like a hand clap or a dog clicker thing, uh, the hatch would open and a plastic bag would fall out and the pig would be disappointed, you see. And, and then the pig was able to link the sounds to whether it was going to be an apple or a plastic bag. But then if they use another noise, they use actually a squeaky toy. The optimistic pig went over to the hatch expecting an apple, right? Now, it wasn't the sound of the glockenspiel, but even still, the pig wondered, oh, maybe there will be an apple, you see. So that, that was the sign of optimism. Now, um, the, how do they know there was, that this was a behavioural thing? Well, if you treat pigs well, 
And this is the important part of this in a way. So if you, if you treat pigs well, they're in a nice environment, plenty of straw, pig toys to play with, they don't get bored. Those pigs were inclined to go to the hatch looking for the apple with the squeaky toy noise. They were optimistically anticipating an apple. If you treat the pig regularly, like in pig styles, the way we normally treat pigs, I guess, without these, say, five-star hotel conditions for a pig, they were inclined to be pessimistic. They wouldn't go to the hatch uh, with the squeaky noise because they would expect it to be a plastic bag. I hope you get the idea there. And it's seen as a good example of testing optimism and pessimism in pigs. And that's very much a mind-based activity. And of course, as I say, because the pigs that were well-treated were inclined to be optimistic, that tells us something about how we should be looking after animals. And, and, and the pig kind of had a mind like us because obviously some of us are pessimistic and optimistic and so on. So there was one very interesting study, I think, in terms of uh, that, that pig response. The second animal, if you like, that's been studied a huge amount which shows it really has a complex mind, are birds. And we know this because birds have been studied for a very long time. They're very good at navigation. They've got very complex songs. And that level of complexity suggests some kind of thought process to generate all these very, very complicated songs. Some build extremely elaborate nests. And again, that surely that's a sign of intelligence. You can imagine an alien watching birds they would conclude that those birds are very smart and very intelligent. And if they observe humans, say separately to those birds, especially, say, 2,000 years ago, you would have said there isn't a huge amount of difference. We build very elaborate homes, don't we? You know, we have very complex speech and so on. And then, of course, the big one is these tools where we have very elaborate tool use, us humans, and we thought it made us special. And when tool use was first proposed as a, as a human trait, people had ignored the fact that animals often use tools, and some birds are very elaborate constructors and users of tools. The scrub jay, for example, uh, has, a, has a very clever way of using tools that, that, that are, that's quite remarkable. Uh, also very good at storing food in very elaborate ways in all kinds of different places in its environment and what was shown about the the jay was if there's loads of food around it doesn't store it doesn't have to store the food so it's very clever it's able to anticipate food shortage and then store food and that's what that's the kind of thing we do you know so again the trait that looks very clever in us is also in birds in this case in the scrub jay and of course crows have been studied a huge amount and there's loads of evidence for different corvids and crows using very elaborate tools and they can make foraging tools they can make tools based on hooks they can join two pieces of wood together to make the tool even more elaborate and again this is clever use of their minds to make these different tools mainly to get food of course and then of course many animals use tools so the notion that, that just us that was using tools was, was in retrospect was nonsense apes dolphins sea otters elephants and a very very interesting creature which definitely has a mind octopus and the octopi are very good at using very very elaborate tools incredibly i'm going to come back to the octopus at the end because and again an alien would definitely say that octopus is a sentient intelligent creature in some ways octopuses are as close as we've got to aliens on our own planet in some ways they're very different to us as i'll explain but they're kind of like an alien creature that can think as a mind but before the octopuses because i love them and, and they're the big example bees bees make very elaborate hives as we all know, with these very complex geometric shapes in the honeycomb, you know? And it's a very geometric thing. It's marvellous. And of course, a few hundred years ago, insect observers or whatever it might be (laughs) said this was divine guidance was guiding the bee to make these geometric shapes. But of course, the bee has a mind and is able to make these very complex shapes. Another experiment that was done is bee football. 
Owen is a big fan of football and he loved this. You can train bees to play football, Owen. Did you realise that? And you can put a little football in their hive, a flat hive, and it can, it can steer the ball, move the ball around and try to get the ball into a hole. Now, the hole will have a lot of sugar in it and the bee is incentivized to get the ball into that hole. You can have a team of bees playing football. And in fact, one bee can teach another bee to play football. So you, initially you train the first bee to move the ball around and get into the hole and then you go away and that bee has trained another bee to do the same thing and basically that little bee is forming a football team you see strangely enough so bee united is that what we call them um, so bees very smart that they're able to do all that and of course we knew uh, the way bees find honey they do elaborate dances and all kinds of things again which was, was, was suggestive of that so, so bee football is another example of bees having a kind of mind but let's go to the octopus now, different species of octopi, or octopuses, as they can be called both, I think, uh, have been observed over decades, and they're really, really smart creatures. They look peculiar, of course, compared to us, with their all their, their legs, you know, and their strange bodies and so on. Um, and in fact, uh, our, the common ancestor between us and the octopus is 600 million years ago, and that was a flatworm. Okay, so this flatworm was the common ancestor of us and an an octopus. And that flatworm began to evolve. One lineage ends up as the octopus and the other lineage ends up as us human beings. So they've had a lot of time to evolve a very different brain, if you like, a very different mind. And what's striking about the octopus's brain is half of it isn't in its head. Now, the vast majority of our nervous system is in our head, in the brain. We obviously have our spinal cord and various nerves and so on. But the vast majority of the, the, the brain tissue, if you will, the mind tissue certainly is in, in our heads, you know. In the octopus, half it is distributed through the legs. So it's as if each leg is a separate brain and they can have separate activities. It's almost like it's carrying all these different brains in its body. And, they can, and now it is coordinated from the brain in the head. But still, it's a very elaborate creature in terms of its brain system. A big elaborate network of neurons spreading out through the legs and being used in different ways. And how does, how does the brain work? Well, it's all its various behaviour. The various things octopuses do, like us, are driven by its brain, you know. And, uh, and they can have elaborate colour changes being driven by the nervous system, for example. as camouflage. There's great, great videos of that. They can open jars octopuses very cleverly and perhaps a hugely interesting skill is they're very good at navigating complex mazes and this has been studied a lot and they can do this in the dark now clearly they can send out their their legs their tentacles and and sense their way around these mazes but these octopuses can crack basically any complex maze now you may have seen these mazes in movies made of hedges uh, and you get stuck in one and you try and find your way out an octopus would get out of one of those very quickly much more quickly than us and that's part of its, its, its terrain, I suppose, is to live in these very complex spaces that look like mazes. And that has to be using the mind because it can see where it's going. And in the dark, can you believe it? it can, and, and one reason the brain is in its, its legs to some extent is it's feeling its way, I suppose, and remembering, don't go down that part, maybe go down this part, sense something in the environment here to lead it out of the maze. And, and that being able to navigate a maze is seen as a highly intelligent thing to do. So hence, the octopus's mind is very much in evidence in those kinds of behaviours. And again, the examples go on and on about how animals are using their brains in very, very elaborate ways and effectively using their minds. Because as I said, the mind is all about sensing the environment and then responding to it and thinking. And, and that maze-solving thing that the octopus does, that's a great example of problem-solving. And of course, we put a lot of weight behind problem-solving as being a higher 
intellectual thing, you know, that, that us humans are great at problem solving. So is the octopus, separated 600 million years ago in evolutionary terms from us. So imagine then, look, let's go back to the pig. We're mammals. You know, we are very close to pigs because we're all, we're both mammals, you know. And, and we've got very similar brains then to a pig. And so therefore we're even closer perhaps to mammals than we would be to an octopus. And so, you know, the notion then that we, we shouldn't be think, think of an animals in any way different to us in many ways. They definitely have intelligence, highly intelligent. They have minds. They can think things through. So therefore we have to rethink ourselves and use our own minds in some ways, our relationship with animals for, for these reasons and look after them as our true sort of uh, creatures that we share this earth with. We shouldn't just dismiss them in any way at all, obviously, or mistreat them because they're extremely sentient and extremely important. And there you have it. The science of clever animals. Hope you like that and those those examples. And for heaven's sake, go out and buy some bees and let's start training up these bee football teams. And Owen will have one and I, and we'll have a football match between our bees one day. And I know Owen will win because he's much more into football than I am. But thanks very much for listening. Uh, my podcast is available every Thursday for downloading and it's a new... Thursday.